Hey everybody, welcome back to Good Muscle Hustle Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us your attention. Today we have a special guest. His name is Devin Piole. He graduated with his doctorate in chiropractic. He is a strength coach slash personal trainer slash online coach. And he helps people that are in pain get out of pain and work around that to reach their health and fitness goals. Uh, we have a great conversation with him about you know, his journey, where he comes from, his principles, how he helps his clients, and it was great talking to him. I hope you guys enjoy this. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, share, do all that cool stuff, you know, because that just helps us grow. Um, enjoy the show. All right, all right dope. We're live. Welcome to Good Muscle Hustle Radio. Um, let's go through a quick introduction, um, who you are, what you do, um, and what you're doing in the industry right now. Yeah. So my name is Devin Pioli. Um, I recently just graduated with my doctorate in chiropractic about two weeks ago. Um, I've been doing some online coaching for strength coaching, some, a little bit of rehab since like 2021, I think in the summer. Um, and yeah, my plan with the degree is to, you know, go full-time remote rehab in that setting. Um, I also do some in-personal, in-person personal training on the side of that. Um, yeah. And like background before that was just exercise science. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with the, uh, with the online space, you know, the uh, online rehab is a new terminology for me. I know like the online coaching programming, nutrition, stuff like that, mm. but kind of, kind of walk us through what your uh, what your venture is with the online rehab and some of the roadblocks and some of the successes that you had and what you're seeing over the next five to six years for you personally and kind of where you want to take that. Yeah, for sure. So I think that the biggest thing is like, it's really not that different from online coaching. Like the, the population that I see are typically people who are already involved in the gym and just dealing with some, some nagging pain, whether it's back pain, hip pain, knee pain, stuff like that. And it's really just a matter of helping them manage training modifications so that they can still train alongside that, like while dealing with that, that chronic circumstance, because it's not always clear cut, like clear cut when it comes to pain, um, especially if like compared to acute and chronic, like acute, there's usually something going on where it's like, we can relate it to a certain mechanism of injury where it's like, we just did too much at once. Um, maybe we felt a pop in the back, something like that. Uh, when you get into the, the chronic side of things, there's a lot more to consider in terms of, um, like why things are still kind of lingering the way they are. And it, it's really important to dive deep into, I don't want, I don't want to separate like the biological and psychological aspects, but it's like getting to know somebody's, you know, beliefs around their painful circumstance and kind of navigating the situation that way. That's not to say you don't do it in the, the acute sense either because it's definitely super important because if you can prevent a chronic circumstance, like definitely valuable, valuable to do so. Um, and just so I'm not throwing random words around to you, like acute would be a situation where it's like under three months, chronic would be right. over three months. Um, right. so yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarity between the coaching and the, and the remote rehab, like nothing significant has changed. And the, the track for bringing somebody in and then giving them a plan pretty much remains the same, right? Like you have an in-depth conversation, you get to know where somebody's been and where they're looking to go. And then you just build a custom plan off, off of that 
It's always an educated guess. So there's trial mm-hmm. and error involved, right? You set those expectations up front and uh, you kind of go from there. I think the, the difficulty there is like understanding that it's not for everyone because there's definitely, um, there's less you can do in terms of like on-site feedback, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're in person, you can do a lot in like a 60 minute session, right? Oh, you, yeah. you get them, give them an exercise and like you can make multiple adjustments right on the spot and like within a span of five minutes, you go from looking not so pretty to very pretty versus in the online setting, it's more of like this week to week feedback, depending on like how people communicate with you in terms mm-hmm. of sending videos. Like if you can catch them like mid session, we're like, Hey man, like this is my first set. Sometimes you can give them a cue to take into the second set, but oftentimes it's, they complete the session, they upload their videos. Um, I use true coach. I have been for, for the past couple months and I really enjoy it. Um, and then giving them feedback there that they can then take into the next session. Um, and again, I, I think it's a matter of setting those expectations up front. Like if somebody's comfortable with that, totally fine. Probably a better situation for people who are a bit more competent in the weight room. Like they have some experience there, but I do have, like, I've brought people through programs where it was literally like their first time doing any sort of structured exercise. Um, you know, I think that again, it's just like, you got to set that expectation of maybe the, the slower process in that regard. Yeah. So I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, rehab, prehab stuff, and it's pretty much just like resistance training. You know what I mean? You just got to meet the person where they're at, meet them at their ability and then they kind of progress from there. So the, uh, yeah. the theology and ideology behind it definitely aligns with just regular, you know, programming online stuff like that. So, yeah. Dude, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's a Phil Glaslow quote, if I'm saying his name right. Um, I might've butchered it, but, it's like rehab is training in the presence of injury or pain, right? So it's yeah. like you're doing the same thing. The same principles apply when it comes to progression, like specificity, overload, fatigue management, and all that. You just have this added variable of pain that you have to navigate, right? So it's like it's, it's typically like the general recommendation for any circumstances. Let's train to tolerability and then progress them over time, right? So it's like rather than finding like a skill place. I mean, you, you still consider skill in this context, but it's like mm-hmm. the same way you would find like, okay, here's a great starting point for your skill. If we're trying to progress a squat pattern, you just take that same framework and be like, okay, like here's a great starting point regarding like your tolerability of pain. And then we just progress things back up from there. Right. So it's like trying to make, um, and this is an idea that I got from Michael Mash from Barbell Rehab, where it's like trying to find the minimum effective change for the maximum level of tolerability, right? So like how little can you change while still allowing somebody to train? And that's like super important, especially if you're working with like a strength athlete, right? Yeah. Like they've got a competition coming up. You don't want to change a ton of shit. Like you can't necessarily take away somebody's low bar squat if they've got to compete with it two weeks out, right? Like that's probably going to get in their head. They're not going to feel super confident going into that meet. So it's like, what small thing can we change so that we can still train through this prep to a level of tolerability, it doesn't have to be zero pain, right? As long as we're not seeing progressive symptoms over like from session to session or set to set, like we can probably push things still. And then we can address things after the competition, right? But maybe if we just take low bar and we just move their their grip in or their grip out, or maybe instead of thumb under the bar, we do thumb over the bar, just playing around with these, you know, tiny things to see if we can just get them through this competition, um, and I think that's where a lot of like the, the lower level prep stuff that is really good at modifying symptoms in the short term, but d- doesn't necessarily 
create a training adaptation is extremely mm-hmm. valuable, right? Like if, okay, if you can give somebody a lat stretch and all of a sudden their elbow pain and low bar goes away, like let's do it for the next two weeks. And then after the comp, like let's expose you to some more overhead stuff. So you don't have to worry about this problem reoccurring in the long term. So it's a lot right. of like uh, playing that game of like how do we modify things in the short term and then also creating long-term adaptations. And I think that that also varies per individual, right? Like I work with a lot of people who share the same philosophy as me when it comes to healthcare and chiropractic and just the rehab setting where uh, we definitely don't like enjoy the lower level stuff. So it's like, you know, prescribing them that it's like, if they're not going to do it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it to them. Right. So it's like, I'm right. going to take a different approach with somebody like that versus somebody who just wants to feel better in the short term. And they, they think that's a valuable solution. And I think most importantly is just the narrative that you give them with it. Right. Where it's like, this lat stretch isn't the cure to all your problems. Like there's a longer term approach that we're going to want to entertain, but in the short term, like we can get you feeling better and excited to show up for the gym again. Like that's a huge win. Yeah, absolutely. I know working just in person stuff like that, you know, getting in the industry, they don't really tell you everybody that you see is fucked up in some way. You know I mean, you don't get perfect individuals coming through the door that can perform overhead can perform internal stabilization going right into deadlift squat, stuff like that. So you know, and you walk the walk too when it comes to like strength training and powerlifting and stuff too. So I think with your own personal experience and then your degree behind it, I think that's a good success route for that online, you know, rehab, prehab training, programming on that online space for sure. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like people, people enjoy seeing people who, you know, can, can share that experience. And I think my, my own personal experience just helps me like navigate the mindset of an individual coming to me as well. Like I've Absolutely. had back, back injuries before and I've self-managed them successfully. So it's like knowing that it's like, I can build buy-in by like, like here, like, you know, I had this acute back injury 10 weeks out from a competition and like, here's what I did. And I ended up P- PRing on the platform in my squat, like despite that. Right. So yeah. it's like, just get building that level of buy-in and like people see me and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I think like ranked, like still, there's still like five digits in front of my name when it comes to powerlifting. Right. Right. So it's like, I'm, I'm not anything spectacular. Like I'm not going to nationals and winning nationals and stuff like that. But like people do look at that and they're like, Oh, like he lifts a significant amount of weight. And it's like, it does give you rapport in that sense. So it's, it's yeah. definitely valuable to um, just go experience the things that you're trying to coach. Right. And like, I'm, I'm currently going through trying to pick up weightlifting too. Like, so I can kind of expand the population that I can work with. And like, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable bringing somebody through uh, a rehab program when it comes to Ollie lifts. If I've never, done it myself mm-hmm. right so yeah. it's like going into that first yeah no i 100 agree i know just for me personally when i see you know people online especially in the online space you know like the super nerdy glasses super skinny they're trying to talk smart about you know powerlifting bodybuilding and stuff when it comes back down to them as an individual they've never experienced that and they can't empathize with that person that they're going through issues or having problems with performing a lift or making progress and any, any anything along that nature too is just I know AB probably feels the same way. You're a walking billboard for yourself, right? Yeah, hundred so, percent. Yeah. So when it comes to you know the online space or even in person too is like if somebody wants to come in the door and I look like I weigh four hundred pounds and sixty eight percent body fat, more than likely I'm not going to get hired. Right. Right. You know yeah. I mean? so, like, it depends. It depends on the individual too, right? Like. Yeah. Um. I I think they're. 
like, especially on the internet, like there's always the polarization where it's like, okay, this guy isn't jacked at all, but he might know a lot. He might be a great coach. Like, I don't think it, it inherently means that he's not a good coach, but, um, I do think it helps in terms of that societal perception. And mm. like, that's, that's a conversation that I had with chiropractic school as well, because like in my situation, like I don't necessarily need the degree to do what I do because it's, mm. it's technically coaching. It's not healthcare because if I were to use a clinical license in this space, I would only be able to work with people in state rather than out of state. So it's yeah. like, I have constraints, but I can still use my education. Right. So I just, I don't diagnose people. I obviously can't put my hands on people in the rehabs or remote rehab setting anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I actually dropped out of chiro school for that situation. I was like, I can like, why do am I still spending money on this when I can just do what I do now without the degree at all? Like it doesn't change anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was a conversation that I had had and kind of bite my ego there where it's like, it does influence societal perception, right? Like people in pain Absolutely. typically go see doctors for this circumstance. So it's like, am I just creating kind of an uphill battle for myself by not just getting a couple letters? And like, had I not been so far in the program, like, I don't know if I would have completed it, but I was already yeah. there. So it just, it yeah. made sense. Well, I think the retirement on investment, having that DR next to the name definitely goes a long ways, especially with people who are trying to decide, okay, is he just a coach? Is he a doctorate? Kind of, that mechanism of thought as well. So I know for us here in Emporia, we're going to segue into networking actually. So we've actually got what, what's your name? Uh, um, Dr. Sheree Simmons here yeah. that I've had another doctor reach out as well. Just setting up a uh, network that immediate care, acute care from doctors. And then what me and Alex would do is, you know, program them for that longer runway of progression to make sure that they don't come back with that original acute or chronic issue. So have you done any network with the online space as far as, you know, reaching out to other people who do the online rehab, any of that oh, aspect? Yeah, a hundred percent. And like, honestly, that's like, that's part of the reason why I, I went back to Cairo school is because I, I found a lot of like, like-minded people who, who were doing the thing that I wanted to do. Um, so it, it, I like, I found a community in that space and like, yeah, I mm-hmm. constantly network, like whether it's through mentorships or just coaches that I've personally hired or just like conversations on the internet of philosophies that I agree with. Right. Like, um, like there's, there's people in other situations where it's like, they might just be able to better help the individual that, you know, I can't help just because of my lack of experience. Right. Like if, mm-hmm. if it's like, like a bodybuilder trying to prep for a stage, like I can modify training variables, but in terms of like the diet stuff, like I'm clueless, man. So it's like, I'd rather know somebody who has been in that situation before, like, in that situation before and just refer them out that way. And like, it usually just comes back to you in the end anyway, because like you just mm-hmm. create this awesome referral network. And I think that's, it's always super important to have because like, yeah. you just need to know, you, like the reality is you can't help everybody. So like yeah. knowing a place that they can go to get the help they need is super valuable. And like the clients always appreciate it. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to my philosophy too, is, you know, we're a resource to everybody who hired us, right? If it's not within our scope, I'll do my damnedest to make sure that I get you with somebody who can take care of you. Then I'll see you afterwards. So I think right, that goes a long right. way with, you know, referrals with client retention. Like you said, they usually come back to you anyways. So. And it's trust, yeah. you, you know, like trust. if you can, you know, the people that will say that they can do everything, but they can't, yeah. you know, instead of like if a client asks me something and I'm like, i you know, I have no idea. I'll be like, I don't know. Like, I yeah, ask someone smarter 100%. than me. And they, like, they respect that because most of the time, like, you know, 
in the industry anyways, people will say, oh yeah, I can do that for you. I can do this for you. And it's like, no, you know, I've met with a lot of clients where it's like, you know, they'll be like, Hey, I've got this pain here, et cetera. Can you help me? I don't know. No idea, but we can move you around and see if we can do anything. And then from there, it's like, all right, like this, whatever would probably would, you know, benefit you. I'm not going to sit here, you know, before the session and be like, yeah, of course, like maybe, but yeah, having the referral network like that. And I think like for you, you know, having the education you have, but also the experience of strength training and powerlifting, like, I think that's huge because most, you know, even in the physical therapy world, like they've just gone to school and like read books, but they've actually like never trained. And so it's one of those things of like, you know, if you've been there, you've done the work, you've done the sets, you've fucking been in, you know, in the gym doing stuff there's there's a level of um like connection of like what's actually happening in a gym setting and like how you're setting your body up and i feel like there's like that gap gets closed of like all right here's this world and here's like the actual like active Mm -hmm. side of it and now you can mesh together two things so i think for you and everyone else that's in the industry that actually trains and has that education is like you know, fucking like that's a sharp sword. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Yeah, and like it, it was my experience through training. Cause I, I mean, I started training when I was like thirteen years old, and then I think it was twenty thirteen when I started to to powerlift. And it was that like those experiences and like really having a firm understanding of training principles that helped me navigate my post grad education when it came to chiropractic. Right, like some of the things that they were telling us about treatment, just like it didn't make sense. Right, so. Mm-hmm. I, I, it allowed me to like seek external information. So I knew that I was getting the valuable information that I needed to help people in the long term, right? Like, you know, some of the narratives around manual therapy, like just aren't, aren't the reality of the situation. And I've like in the past, like I've bastardized manual therapy. I like to this day, like I absolutely see value in it. Like I've definitely mm-hmm. come back around and kind of like centered myself in the middle because I was like frustrated with my education. So I was like, ah, oh, that, that shit's all stupid. But like, I really don't see it that way anymore, right? Like there's there's a time and a place for manual therapy and what manual therapy can offer is short-term pain relief and short-term increases in range of motion, right? So it's, yeah. it's an extremely mm-hmm. valuable tool, but it's not it's not a situation where it's like, we're just going to adjust your back and all of a sudden, like over six weeks of doing that, like you're going to be good to go. Now, yeah. sure, there might be circumstances where that's all somebody needs, like because you're basically just proving to somebody that they can feel better. And like maybe psychologically like that just resets their expectations like oh man like i didn't even know i could i could feel better so it's like all of a sudden like that just starts this cascade of of people going out and moving again and i think that's great and in the in the acute sense where it's like maybe there is some sort of tissue damage like you can modify symptoms for that natural history of progression but you can't rush Mm -hmm. time right like you're just making that experience a bit more positive than it would be by like, okay, like my pain's a six out of 10 all day. Can we bring it down to a three with some manual therapy just so you can get through the day and continue to do the activities that you want to do, right? It's a lot about decreasing the resistance to moving so people don't just sit on their ass all day because then they get caught in this feedback loop of, I hurt myself, I'm going to do nothing because I was told to, to rest and ice or whatever. And then we have this, like, I mean, like a, like a maladaptation, right? Like if you don't train for a while, you start to lose what you, like all the progress you make, right? And it's not to say that it doesn't come back quick, but if we do that in the context of pain and then we try to, like when the pain goes away, we try to pick it right back up where we left off. It's like, we just caught, 
get caught in this feedback loop of, okay, now I came in red hot. I did too much at once. I get a flare up and then I stop again. And then I do the same thing. I come back in the gym hot when the pain goes away and I get a flare up and it just goes on and on and on. Right. So it's like helping people kind of break that cycle of let's continue to do what we can do while you're dealing with this pain so that we don't have that cascade of negative events where it's like, now I'm just not as strong or prepared for movement as I used to be. Yeah, no, that, that makes a hundred percent correct to me is, you know, kind of like what you just referred to is, you know, it's that repetitive pattern of, okay, I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling good rest. I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling good rest. You know what I mean? Is I think a lot of people get scared to come back to the gym because you just don't want to go through that repetitive process again. I mean, I have a client, I've been with her for just over a year now. And she's, she told me she was going to chiropractor twice a week, every single day for like the last 15 years, this last six months, she's been twice, twice, you know I mean? People don't understand, you know, the benefits of just a little bit of resistance training, a little bit of cardio, a little bit of proper care management with the uh, programming writing. I mean, it goes a long ways. I mean, we're not squatting, deadlifting, anything like that. We just, you know, general pop, good health. You know what I mean? So, right, yeah. I think there's a there's a bad stipulation with just just with PTs, personal trainers from like the chiropractic world or just from the physical therapy board. We're we're just trying to bridge that gap here in town and build a good network. You know what I mean? Because we're, dude. Yeah. Go ahead. That's awesome, man. Because like, uh, I think Dr. Katie Dabrowski, like, like she says it all the time where it's like fitness is healthcare, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you do see people more frequently than somebody would go to a PT or a Cairo, right? Like you, there's yeah. a lot of potential for impacts there. Um, and it's, it's a matter of competency too, right? Cause I don't think that in, in a lot of cases, like diagnosis isn't that important, right? Yeah. Whether it's like, in like, I, like in my situation where I do remote rehab, like I don't diagnose anybody because I can't, like it would be illegal mm-hmm. for me to do so. Right. So it's like, you can talk about these things in, um, kind of like a, a common context where it's like, you're not speaking to the in specific individual circumstance where it's like, I'm not going to be like, Hey, you have a disc herniation, but I'm going to say like, Hey, like here are the potential things that we could be looking at because you have back pain, disc herniation, facet syndrome, whatever sprain strain. And it's like, here are like, here's what we genuinely see for these conditions where it's like, okay, good natural history for six weeks. And like, here's how we would typically manage it. Right. You're just mm-hmm. speaking in a general context and you can really help these people just in that regard. Right. And it's alongside that, all you have to do is like look for red flags, right? Like, are, are we ruling out cancer? Are we ruling out infection? Are we ruling out fracture? Are we watching for progressive, like neurological symptoms, like muscle weakness, new onset of numbness, things like that. Like though, if those things pop up, it's like, okay, like red flag, we got to take a closer look. That can be your referral. Right. But it's like, if somebody's just in this, this chronic case of pain where it's like, maybe it's just due to a lack of movement, like that there's a lot of potential for that to be the case. And I think just presenting them a healthy narrative where it's like letting them know that they're, they're not broken. Like if, if yeah. you don't move and then you try to move a bunch, it's like pain typically arises. Right. So it's like giving them a healthy narrative, like, Hey, here's where we can start. Here's where we can take you. And if things just don't seem to work, okay, maybe we take a closer look. Like that's the the power of the referral network there too. Yeah. Oh, I love every, everything you just said about that one. It's just kind of what Ed B says is, you know, we, I heard a horror story and I'll bring this up every time I talk to new people was we had a trainer here in town and it just gives us a bad rep. First session, I think he was probably a brand new trainer, just a dipshit to begin with, 70 year old lady. First session, tire flips. 
Yeah. Herniated yeah. disc fucking got taken out of the stretcher in the ambulance. You know what I mean? So kind of segues into my next topic that I want to bring up is, you know, what are your thoughts on barrier of entry or just, just personal training and getting into the coaching, the, the coaching realm? Yeah, man. I mean, it's like, I mean, the barrier of entry of the fitness industry industry is slim to none. Like, I don't even yeah. know. I don't, I, I don't think you need a high school diploma to get certified. I don't think you even need a certification to train. I think it just gives you insurance, right? Like, I don't think there's really a standard for that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it leads to problems for sure. I don't know if I have a solution. Like, you know, if you want to make everybody get a bachelor's degree, like, I know you need that for the CSCS. And like, I think that's mm-hmm. why it's one of the more reputable certifications to have because you need a a college education for it um but it's like then again it's like people can do very good things without a college education like if they can self-teach i think it's more of like a people problem than it is like an education problem and like like i i just i'm not smart enough to bridge that gap so i don't really know (laughs) but i but i do think there's a lot of good to be had between just like the networking aspect right like seeing every every circumstance as an an educational opportunity. And I think like as a trainer, like there's, there's a lot of potential to help a lot of people in that. And I I wish that gap was closer to healthcare because we really Mm -hmm. do a lot of the same things, right? Like in, in my perspective, like a lot of my chiropractic education didn't really change how I would go about like training somebody. It just Mm -hmm. gave me a lot more confidence in, I know what's going on because I'm not as ignorant to a painful circumstance as I once was. Right. So it's like, I know what to look for if things are serious to get them to where they need to go versus just being like pain. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. Cause I don't understand it. Right. right. So I think like just understanding pain to a degree and you don't have to be like a pain science nerd to do that, but just under, understanding that like it is complex. There's more things than just technique. There's, you know, like there's, there's stressors, elsewhere outside of the gym that are going to play a role here. And like somebody's beliefs about their, their circumstance are, are also going to influence that. So it's like being, being careful about like the language used and all that, I think is super important, but in terms of barrier, yeah, man, like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I agree that it's a problem. I just don't have a solution. Yeah. No, I think that's the biggest problem now is I don't think anybody really has that solution just yet. I know the uh, NSCA's what is it by 2030 for any other certifications going to go to a bachelor's degree minimum requirement to even get oh, certified okay. through them. So they're, yeah. they're making a step in the right direction, but you know, you can get a, an ACE personal training certification for 700 bucks on the weekend. And then you're in charge of a human body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like, it was the same cause I have my NASM CPT and, and yeah. it was the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't even remember how long the test was, but I remember it being like very easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had like a background in education at the time, sort of like exercise science stuff. So that's probably why it was easy. But um, yeah, I do. I do agree that it's definitely a problem. And I think like my, the way I'm going to go about it is just networking with coaches and like the ones who are open to learning from me. Like I'd love to help educate and bridge that gap. Like I'm always open for, for trainers, especially in the online setting. Like if anybody wants to like hop on a call and go over like a case study and like, if I can offer some sort of value, like I'm happy to do that for, people for free. Right. Cause like, yeah. that's, that's the part that I enjoy is just like trying to educate and, and help people bridge that because like, that's, it's the something that I needed too, right. Like mm-hmm. I, a large, large reason I went to grad school was because I feel like I didn't know enough. Like nobody could answer my questions. Why? Like what, what is the difference between training and rehab? And it turns out that there really isn't much of a difference at all. Right. It's mm-hmm. really just that, that confidence, competency behind that word of pain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I I relate to 
the the feeling that you just described when I first got certified and I, you know, read through the whole manual and took the test and all that. And then once I started training people, I was like, Oh shit. Sure. Like I still feel like I don't know enough. And so it was like, right. Right after that, it, it like sparked like, okay, I need to dive deeper into like all these other things. Cause I want to understand. And I think it kind of like with your education, like you said, like, you know, you can still do stuff and still help people without like that level of ed- education you have, but it gives you so much more context and understanding of like what's happening. So like the strive to understand like what's actually happening with yeah. somebody and, it, you know, everybody's different, you know, the, there's not one body that's the same. So, you know, if we're like, all right, like we're, this is my, my set of whatever, you know, squat, split, whatever, but some people that you'll that you'll work with it's like all right like this squat that we're doing is not for you like we can't do that and being able to understand that and i think you know especially now with just how everything is i think that i think like personal training anyways is for a lot of people like this money grab you know because they're like oh i love to work out like i can make money doing this so then they you know they get their shirt over the weekend and but they actually don't give a fuck about people. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's 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 no more personal in the personal training space right now. Yeah, and and that's right. what separates people like us. Yeah, is like actually giving a fuck and like investing money into our education and doing things in person and you know understanding the context behind everything that we're doing. One hundred percent. Yeah, like pe- people always come first, and I think it's a matter of of self awareness and not displaying this false sense of confidence that you know everything, right? Because that that's what gets people in trouble. Like like you said earlier, Alex, um, just like the people who are like, I can help you with everything. It's like that's just not true. Like you got it. You have to know your limitations, and like that's why I think it's a it's a people problem, right? It's not yeah. it's not a matter yeah. of okay, maybe we need more education because like can we be certain that that education is going to do some good. Like maybe we just need a level of self-awareness where it's like, Hey, here's what I'm good at. Here's where we're going to cut things off. Here's where I'm going to refer out. Like, I think that's probably like just identifying that might be the most valuable thing for people. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you see yourself over the next couple of years on this journey? Evan? Man, tough, tough to answer, man. Um, I know, things yeah. have, you know, I've, I've, answered this question a lot and it never turns out to how I, I it's gonna be. So I'm, I'm very com- comfortable in not knowing what that's going to look like. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the short term, like my focus, especially over the next year is just, you know, growing my business in, in the remote rehab space, because I, I really do enjoy that. And it, it provides me a lifestyle that I can also enjoy myself. It's yeah. like, there's, there's flexibility of, I can work from home. I can work from anywhere in the world if I wanted to. Um, and it, it, you know, there's a lot of accessibility to a lot of like-minded people on the internet. Like, I think that's one of the great things about social media. Like I know a fuck ton of people who are way yeah. smarter than me that I never would have met had I not had access to social media. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think that's great. And I think, yeah, from there, that's going to be my focus. I, I, I don't even have all my boards done, um, cause mm-hmm. I don't need it to, to do what I want to do. Um, that that's potentially end of the year when I have a little bit more financial stability there's potential that i go back and and get those boards done and then maybe end up doing like a hybrid somewhere where i do some in-person work some remote work but taking it a day at a time man like really really just trying to grow what i have now um because i i really do love it and uh seeing see where it takes me really 
Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. So you're in a, you're in Buffalo. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you're a Bills fan. I'm not. I actually grew up. <laughs> I grew up in New Hampshire. There you go. Oh, New Hampshire. So, uh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I just don't talk about football because I. I mean, I grew up a Pats fan. I'm not like a diehard football fan either. But I grew up a Pats fan, and like nobody yeah. likes Tom Brady up here. So I just. I don't talk about it unless it's brought up. Like all my yeah. patients in the clinic are huge Bills fans. Like it's, yeah. it's definitely a personality trait up here. Um, but yeah, I just avoid that conversation. <laughs> yeah. No, I was gonna, I was gonna talk a bunch of shit because I'm a diehard Chiefs fan. I think you've seen me. I've even come into the appreciate yeah. labs at Arrowhead. You at, know, at the tailgates, with right? Beers, you know what I mean? So, what you say? Oh man, yeah. yeah. So, uh, any uh, any other interest in sports like hockey, baseball, or kind of? A little bit more personal information. We get to know you a little, a little bit. Better. A little bit, man. Like I used to watch yeah. baseball growing up. I, I played a lot of baseball as well. Like I probably played year round for like 14 or 15 years. Like I would do any season I could get my hands on to the point I burnt myself out from it. Um, mm-hmm. I used to follow it ever since I've gone to, to grad school, man. Like I just, I've been so involved in that, that I just haven't provided myself the time. It was never a priority for me. So honestly, I haven't watched much of anything. Um, in the past like three years, like we did some, we, we used to go to the casino back where the, the school, the campus was, cause they would show like the UFC fight nights for free. Mm-hmm. So we'd go and like bet on the fights and stuff like that. That was always a good time. But again, I haven't really watched anything in, in regards to that either. Yeah. I'm one of the boring guys who like, okay, just don't know anything <laughs> about sports. <laughs> hey, I'm on the same boat with you. Yeah. 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 I watch the chiefs when they get there. Yeah. Definitely, a couple of games. Yeah, definitely postseason. And then I watched uh, when the Royals went to the World Series. Those two years, yeah. I was like, I watched in every game. And then after, I mean, dude, that was a dream. I took my brother when we uh, when we won the pennant against Toronto. Took him up there. It was game six, you know, because I was I was working nights at a manufacturing manufacturing company running the wheel on business over there. So I worked all night. Went home. Took a shower, picked him up, drove up to KC. We were pounding beers. Game in, it starts at like seven that night. Yeah. Fucking he drove home because I was just done. <laughs> uh, yeah. The way she I think too, and I think too is, you know, for me personally, you know, one of my big things is what I want to bring to the industry and I want to bring to the community is, you know, we're not fucking machines, right? You yeah, know, dude. We, we, yeah. we can live normal lives. We can go have a couple of beers with friends. We can eat whatever we want to eat and still be able to function and still be able to be a healthy human. You know what I mean? So I think there's a stigma too, is, you know, always a personal trainer. They're, they're, they're just machines are all about eating healthy. You lift properly doing all that stuff too. It's like, no, you guys can still enjoy life without having to have all those constraints to not be able to enjoy life. hundred percent, man. Um, yeah. And like going back to interpersonal skills, like it just allows yeah. you to connect more easily with the person in front of you. Um, and that, like, that was a huge learning experience for me too. Like, cause I, I had always put a lot of stock in like identity, like the things that I identified with mm-hmm. and it like came from like personal insecurity, right? Like you just kind of externalize the source of it. So it's like, that happened to me during baseball. Like I ended mm-hmm. up burning myself out from baseball. I almost quit my, uh, after my sophomore year of high school, like the co- coach convinced me to come back. So I continued to play school ball, but like I didn't play mm-hmm. year round anymore. I explored some other sports. Like I wrestled throughout the the tail end of high school, I played a year of football and like, it just didn't, didn't really click with me. Um, but yeah, I definitely kind of pulled back from that. And like, it was, it was a cycle for me where I, I did the same thing with my education after I had kind of burnt myself out for baseball. I was like, okay, like I just got to be really good at this one thing to 
provide value to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did the same thing with my education through undergrad and Cairo school. And like that was, it was one of the reasons that I dropped out, right? Like I was definitely frustrated with my education and just what I was being taught, but that was, it was definitely amplified by my dire need to find some sort of value for myself to feel like mm-hmm. a worthy person. Right. So it's yeah. like, I think that that was a big turning point for me. Like when I, when I dropped out from that, like it was a lot of just like sitting with myself and like biting my ego, like even like therapy, like weekly therapy, mm-hmm. um, writing a lot and just like trying to pull back. So like I can more easily allow myself to do the things that I actually enjoy rather than trying to fulfill this thing that I don't actually need to fulfill. Right. Cause like yeah. we all end up in the same place at the end of it. So like number one thing yeah. is just like connect with people and have fun. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're all living on a fucking rock flying through space at thousands of miles per hour. You know what I mean? We're all going to be yeah. eventually. So might as well enjoy the ride. We all die. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent dude. And like, that's kind of like, it's become a bit of my, my coaching and rehab philosophy too, where it's like trying to get people to realize that like you can deal with this shit. Like it's just, it's just lifting weights. Like yeah. you're going to live, like there's more to it. Like let's make this enjoyable. Cause if we're not yeah. having fun doing it, like what's the point, man? Like you're just making yourself miserable for, for no reason at all. So, yeah. um, I definitely push enjoyment when, when it comes to training and, uh, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, some people can take it more seriously than others. Like I just, I personally don't take it that seriously anymore because of my, my previous experiences with burning myself out. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, just personal person to person, but I enjoy yeah. the fuck out of a heavy session. I know we killed, we oh, killed each other too. yesterday, you know what I mean? But there's a, there's a stipulation too, as far as, you know, like, I always re- go back to like the biggest loser, you know what I mean? Some of the worst national televised personal trainers ever been, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we were at the uh, working women's convention here in town. I talked to the, a couple of females who are like, man, I don't want you to kill me. It's like, it's not like that. You know, we, we bring you in, meet you where you're at and then build you up from there. Definitely, so. definitely shows like the perception yeah. of personal training which unfortunately is like that you know people like even my new clients that i that i get you know when they're coming in for their first session i can tell they're like nervous and i'm like yeah. relax yeah. like it's gonna be fine like i like to to be confident in what i'm doing like we're gonna just move and i'm gonna take this as kind of like my first assessment with that first session so like let's get a engine let's get a yeah like let's get some core braces yeah kind of see where we're at and you'll sweat and you'll feel like you did stuff but like my goal is never to 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 murder anybody or like have them like not be able to get off the toilet the next day you know it's always and then after that session like the perception of like what they're doing who they're working with and this whole world changes because it's like oh like that's an actual like a good workout mm-hmm. is like i feel good now like i feel looser i got my sweat going and then obviously like as we work through programming like intensity will climb yeah. but like making sure almost like a gpp mm-hmm. of like let's prep the body to actually be able like tolerance like the same thing right like what do they yeah. have what, what what do they tolerate like can we just let's work with that and then as we go like that's when we can start to to progress things forward but it's an unfortunate that people are always like when people were walking by our stand they're like oh no 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 yeah we don't want that and it's like and then people were asking do you work with older people or do you work with people with limitations and we're like literally like all of our 90 percent of my clients yeah <laughs> You know, there's a yeah. perception that we work with just like young, 
yeah. bodybuilding people. And it's like, that's literally like probably like 1% of my clients. Youngest for me is 13 and my oldest is 80. Yeah. And so it's, and I enjoy, right. I, like personally for me, I enjoy working with older people because you could bring back a better quality of life. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, man. I get I get so much joy just watching people progress with their physical adaptations and being able to say, "Hey, you know, I went to the Royals game this weekend and I didn't hop and puff, and I was able to get up and dance around when music was on. I can pick up the grandkids and play with them. I can go work out all day in the yard and still have energy to spend time with my family and do all that jazz. And that's that's the biggest thing for me. And those people are like extremely grateful for that too. So they like express that to you and it's like oh like that's definitely like fulfilled mm-hmm. at the end of the day yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah because like i mean you're you're giving people back a valuable aspect of their life that they feel like they've lost forever because i think a lot of especially in the the older population a lot of people have accepted that it's a situation where i'm just getting old and i can't do these things anymore but it's like mm-hmm. yeah. part of the reason that they can't do those things anymore is because they stopped doing them over time right yeah. there, there were lifestyle changes that changed behavior and it's like they they kind of stopped doing the the normal activities be, because of x y or z reason and then they end up in this place and they just chalk it up like ah, i'm just getting old but like i don't know giving people back that power is definitely satisfying and it, there's definitely um a similarity to that in, in the rehab setting where people think, Oh, like I have back pain, like deadlifts are bad for my back. I love deadlifting, but I can't do it because of this back injury. And like, mm-hmm. I should never do it again. Cause like, I mean, I've, I worked with a client. Um, he was actually a class of mine and he had back surgery during Cairo school and his surgeon told him like never to squat or deadlift heavy again. I was like, fuck that dude. Like we're going yeah, to, like, he's a client of mine. And, yeah, and, and yeah. He's a freak too. Like he's so strong. Like he's, deadlifting and squatting, I think over 400 pounds at this point. Right. Um, yeah. and he, he has a spinal fusion, right. So it's like helping people overcome that narrative to continue to do the things that they enjoy to do along their lifespan. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. think there's anything more rewarding than that. Yeah. Not yeah. you, you brought up a good point too, is, you know, the doctor said you can never do this again. You know I mean? I don't think it's their spot to say whether or not they can do it again. I think if it comes to people like you, people like me and AB, we want to, help get those people there obviously we have strange limitations but when it comes from a doctor saying you can never do this again that's such a soul crushing statement to somebody who wants who wants to do that right right and it's it's an abuse of power too right because they're the ex they're the expert in that situation like a lot of people don't know the things that we know and it's like Mm -hmm. we do have responsibility that comes with that where it's like if we're just giving people bullshit information like they're gonna believe it because they don't know what to believe Mm -hmm. like they're coming to you expecting like this guy knows what he's talking about and if you just give them some bullshit answer like that, they're going to live with it, right? And like you, you see a lot of that in chiropractic, man. Like my my student clinic experience, like at the school with outpatient, it's like I had to work underneath clinicians and like mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily see eye to eye. And like, dude, some of the stuff that they're told is just, it's demoralizing to them. And they they have this dependency on chiropractic care where they think that if they don't come back every two weeks and get their bone put back in place, that they're they're not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. right like it's, it's pretty fucked up you know like, yeah. like no that's, the, that's the, abusing people for financial gain at that point mm-hmm. and maybe, I, maybe it's ignorance on their end i don't like who knows right but it doesn't I don't jump. what's what's happening yeah I, I wouldn't say i would jump to conclusion on that statement but i think 80 percent probably just make that statement and just want to have return customers you know what i mean that's that Potentially, revolving yeah. revolving money door you know what i mean when it comes to some of that stuff but 
that's the biggest reason why we're setting up a network here in town is, you know, we'll have that access to people who can get you there. You know what I mean? Obviously yeah. we talked about earlier is, you know, you got doctor care, you got physical therapy care. Okay. Let's take the next step. That way you don't go back. Right. That way you don't have those issues again. So yeah. that's a and big passion yeah. of ours. And it, it, it comes back to, you know, what we were talking about in the beginning where it's like, yeah. like you have trained strength train, powerless and all that. So you have the understanding. So like when these doctors or physical therapists that have never done that shit ever say whatever about training when they've never done it themselves. And then, you, and then you have people going out and they're coming to us and be like, Oh, well they said, I you know, should never do this. And I'm like, okay, well there's right. 55 other things that we can do as a regression of said movement or whatever. And potentially like, get you back to doing that movement safely and effectively and all that stuff. So like, you know, I think that's it's so important to just like have experience, like just lift some weights. If, if you're in any kind of, you know, this area and like doctors too, like they're considered, you know, like the top of the food chain, but they don't write workout programs or train people in person and understand like, you know, that whole side of things. So Right. I definitely like misguides people when they're scared when they come in, but um, that's why we're here. It's a, it's an uphill battle for sure. Just trying to break that stigma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And shout out, shout out Justin Rabinowitz for this one. I don't know if it was his original quote, somebody else, but he's the business coach that I work with. And one thing that's, that's really stuck with me from working with him is like, don't take advice from people who aren't living a life that you want to live. Yeah. Simple absolutely. as that. Right. Where it's like, if somebody like if I'm taking business advice from somebody who doesn't even own their own business, like how do I even know it's valid <laughs> advice? And that's yeah. I used to do that because I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know any mm-hmm. better, right? But I think like just having that perception of like, is he doing what I want to do? Like, why would I listen to him if he's not? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I have a question. We've got about 10 minutes. Got a few more left. Yeah, I got a question. Yeah. So with your remote business and, and everything you're doing, how do you go about um, building that business, like bringing clients in? Like, what's your process there? How do you go about that? Yeah, so I mean, this this is still largely a learning experience for me, like working with guys like Justin. I'm also, I have like some one-on-one business coaching set up that's going to start at the end of the month. Um, it's just trying to invest myself into learning marketing and sales, right? So it's like, I've spent the past seven years of, like trying to get really good at what I want to do. And I think I've done a pretty good job at doing that. And like, it doesn't mean that that stops, but like for the short term, like that's a secondary priority of like continuing my education in the fitness and, and rehab space. Like that always continues. Right. But like right now it's like investing all that money that maybe I would spend on like a fitness mentorship into a business mentorship. So it's like, mm-hmm. I know how to target the population that I want to work with. I know how to speak to them. I know how to, um, demonstrate values to just people know I have a service to offer. Right. Like that, that's been my focus for the past, you know, probably six or six months or so. And I've I've definitely learned a lot. Um, And I'm just going to keep going down that route until I can, you know, fill my roster and then scale business. Cause you know, you got, if you own your own business, you gotta be good at both (laughs) at this point. Absolutely. I love that. And for anyone that's, that listens to this, um, the keys that, um, Devin said is um, first, like refine your skill, like get good at what you're trying to do, like get experience, refine it, understand how you want to do things, get really good at it, and then invest in 
that continued education on the business side as well, not just with, you know, what we do. Cause I, I'm there with you too. Like I try every year to make sure like I'm investing into some continued education. Um, I try to shoot for like in-person shit, but like I was, I'm there with you like last year with the whole online thing. Like I didn't know how to do any of that because I've been in person for the last six years. So I yeah. said, you know, fuck it. I'm going to invest this money into learning exactly like all those things that you talked about, like how to talk to the people, how to market yourself, like how to do all that shit. And that's, that's what it takes. I think people, you know, don't understand, like you have to, it's just like personal training. Like you come to see somebody and invest in that person to help you. It's the same thing with what we do, you know, like spend the money, spend the time to learn from somebody. Like you said, like listen to people who are doing the shit. Yeah. I think Devin said a, a great word and for our listeners out there too, if you're wanting to make that transition and start your own business, it's, you know, find a good mentor that you connect with, you know, yeah. I, mean? I mean, there's, there's Definitely. mentorship programs out there, but you know, some of those programs are just, you know, sign up and here's some PDS for you to fucking read. And this is, this is the plan, right? Here's my sixth plan to hundred K business in six months. All that shit's probably fucking garbage. I mean, find right, somebody right. that you can personally connect with and, you know, learn from who's there to help you out. So, right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like I, going off that, like I've met a lot of great people in the space. Like if people have trouble finding or they don't know where to look, like I'm happy to share the people who, who I have trusted and, and worked with and just like mm-hmm. send them, send them their way too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I think like Alex, your point too goes back to just the expectation setting, even for ourselves, right? Like mm-hmm. you, know, you set it for yeah. clients easily, but sometimes we neglect it in ourselves. Which, like, if you've never done something, don't expect to be good at it. Like you're going to be yeah. shit and just like going into it with that being okay. Like it's not going to be good for the start, but like the same way that you learned how to train, like you got to pick up from ground zero and, and learn it that way. And I think like you can lateralize these experiences, right? Like I see everything through training principles, right? Like even in sales, like specificity, like, Am I talking to the person that I want to talk to? Am I doing it in a way that's going to do the thing that I want it to do? Like bring them into me so I can build value and make a sale, right? Yeah. You know, like progressive overload. Can I find a sustainable means to market myself? Maybe it's a post a week. Maybe it's two posts a mm-hmm. week. And then just overload it from there. Like see what I can do over the long term to just like progress myself in that way. As I refine my skills, as I get better at, at writing, I can put out more content at a faster rate doing all those things fatigue management taking a damn break like like you yeah. said chris like you're not all work like it's okay like and like i think big big conversation for myself is understanding that taking the rest is actually going to help you do the work and it's yeah. i have to remind myself this constantly right because I, I always get in the trap of i could be doing more like somebody out there is doing more than me like i've got to just push myself in that way um and i think that's where like a level of work work ethic can become toxic at times where it's like you know, value the rest as much as you, you value the work. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, my previous job, I did well, my last five years there. I worked six days a week, five years, almost 70 hours, you know, no yeah. personal time, no family time. My body felt like shit. My brain was just not functioning at all. You know what I mean? And then transitioning here and running, running my own business and having a B next to me. You no, know, it's just more of a, you know, I feel better. I'm less stressed. It's different type of stress. You know what I mean? But you're not having to yeah. answer to some, you're not having to talk to somebody who doesn't really give a shit about you and your personal life. They just want you to say, Hey, I need you here from this time to this time. I don't give a shit. Just fucking make it happen. You know, if I fail, it's because the person in the mirror failed me. I mean, I don't rely on anybody else. That's exactly, what drives me man. too, is you know what I mean? So last question, bud. 
What drives yeah. you, man? Why'd you get in? Why are you doing it? Oh, man. I think what drove me for years and years was just insecurity. Like, I honestly think that okay. was it. Like, I, just, I needed <laughs> to find some sort of meaning and value for myself. Um, yeah. At this point, man, like, the things that drive me are uh, connection and creativity a lot, mm -hmm. a lot of the time, right? Like, I like to write um, doing that on the side. And, and that's one of the reasons why I really value having my own business is being able to incorporate other hobbies into what I do, right? So I can I can fulfill my position in society and make a living and do what I need to do, whatever. But I can also just do all the things that I want to do and they all feed into like creative aspects of my business, right? So it's like, I'm literally just doing hobbies mm -hmm. and making money off of it and like providing value for other people. And I think alongside that, it's just being able to connect with genuine people who, you know, see life in the world and training the same way I do. Like, you know, yeah. there's like a sense of community in that. And I, I think we all need it. Yeah. Like yeah. having conversations like these, having conversations with clients, like I always feel very energized afterward and it just makes me excited to go out and like have, have the conversation with, with the next person too. And I think that's one of my favorite things about coaching is like, it's sometimes, you know, like for most people, you put anything on a program, they're going to make progress. But yeah. I think it's the experience that goes along with it is, is always priority number one in my eyes. Yeah, no, I love that, man. So tell our listeners how to, uh, how to find you, man, Instagram, social media. You said you're right. You got a blog. I don't yet, but I'm actually, I'm working on a newsletter. So it's like, I'm okay. trying to set that up. It should, I might even send it out next week. We'll see. Um, that'll be on my Instagram though. My Instagram is just devin.pioli so it's d-e-v-y-n dot p-i-o-l-i um that's the only social media i have so that's the best way to best way to find me for now um and yeah man i'm always happy to chat with people if people just want to hop at a call like i always do that for free because like i said like it's my favorite part like i'll worry about the bills yeah. on, on the other side of things but i'm very open to chatting with other like-minded professional professionals if anybody wants to reach out and chat yeah no, that's awesome man i know i i have a great appreciation for you man we've talked a little bit you know, messages back and forth yeah. to see every once in a while in the labs and stuff like that. So I definitely uh, love everything that you're doing. I love your mindset. I love how genuine you are, how much you care about, you know, helping people, and, you know, bringing a brighter light into the industry. So definitely looking forward to seeing your progress over the next couple of years, man. So, I pre yeah, I appreciate that, man. I really yeah. appreciate you guys having me on too. This was a lot of fun. So yeah, man, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Thank you. Yeah. Same to you. Hell yeah, man. Take care. And then uh, we'll keep in touch, brother. So, yeah, we'll yeah see you absolutely. Again. Yeah. I, dude, we'll I'd love on. to. Anytime, anytime. I'm always available for this stuff. So, Hell yeah. Right on, man. All right, brother. Take care. Have a good weekend. See you guys. Yeah, you as well. Hey, man. Yep. Thank you. Oh, shit. <laughs>